So we're in James chapter 3 this morning. James chapter 3. And we are going to see what God has to say about the tongue. And uh, this is a lesson that you're going to just have to sit and listen to me preach to myself. Because this is a topic, if not the topic, that I need to hear most often. Um, this lesson is probably close to every week for me. You know, something that I would love to be able to apply to myself and understand better. And I think that most of us would find ourselves in that boat. The tongue is a difficult topic. It is hard for us to control. It's so simple to just say, don't say what you shouldn't and do say what you should. But man, it's hard to live. And so that's what we're going to try to do today. So many impulses have to be held in check for us to control our speech. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, For the mouth speaks of what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. That paragraph that Jesus says there scares me. I have said things I know I shouldn't, but I like to think that those things aren't in my heart. You know, it was a simple mistake, a lapse of judgment. But that's not what Jesus says. The smallest sections of our hearts may hold on to things that God has asked us to get rid of, and our mouths reveal those corners of our hearts. Sobering thought for us. And this is how James starts our section in verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. That mouth shows what is in our hearts. It shows the kind of control we have over our lives. That's the idea we have in front of us. Why? Because he is able to bridle his whole body. James knew what his brother Jesus had taught. The tongue is so important to recognize as a useful but dangerous tool and even indicator of our spiritual health. Our struggles to control our speech show us that we have things in our hearts that we need to work on. So James writes about controlling the tongue in James chapter 3. It's a helpful section of James' letter so that we can get out of our own way as we follow Jesus. So let's read our text, verses 1 through 12, and we're going to break it down out of order this morning. We're going to look at it in different sections that way. So we'll be jumping around in this, so it'll be helpful to read it all up front. James chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. 
It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. What an interesting text. So image-driven, so powerful. So let's see some things. Like I said, we're going to be going out of order a little bit because I want us to start by seeing our need to control the tongue. Because what we see first is the tongue is dangerous in speech. And the first image that James uses to display this is the tongue is like a fire. That tongue can cause great damage. It's a dangerous thing on the emphasis. You see it in our text. It doesn't sound like a safe picture he's using. It doesn't sound like it's used for warming. It sounds like it's out of control. And so we see that in our text. And maybe we've seen that in our world. I mean, have you seen videos of the wildfires in California, places like that? Hundreds of thousands of acres. That's not a number I made up. In 2022 alone, it was almost 360,000 acres of woodlands was burned because campfires get left unattended, because a spark goes where it's not meant to go. That's the kind of danger a fire can have. It can quickly spread and it can reach uh, things and spread to the next and spread to the next. Or maybe you remember this past summer, how there were fires up in Canada and the smoke floated all the way down and there was a haze over New York City and over the north where you could just not see the way that you normally would. It was remarkable to see the damage that fire had caused many miles away. And it had impacted life all over. The destruction of fire is remarkable. And James uses this image to describe the tongue. And I think he does this intentionally because, you know, when you first hear it, man, that can't be right. You know, there's no way I could cause that kind of damage with my speech. We all know that the tongue can cause damage. We've seen it. I would guess all of us have had someone say something to us that has hurt us. Maybe even as far back as in our childhood, where you can remember what they were wearing, what they said, where you were, who was around, and that has stuck with you for your whole life. And you don't know why, but things that people say can hurt. They can damage us emotionally. They can damage us spiritually. We know that the fire can spread. You know, this is an obvious moment for us to say, we need to be very careful what we say. If this is the destructive power of our words, we've got to put that under control as best we can. We've got to think about what we should say. You know, this might have been the motto for me growing up for my parents to say to me, think before you speak. You know, stop just blurting out whatever's in your mind. Stop for a moment. Think about it before you say something. Because it's something that I personally have had to work on throughout my life. And I know many of us are in that same boat. Because this is why James says in verse 2, If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. This impulse is hard to control. It reveals our hearts, and the tongue is dangerous. And James started the paragraph by showing us that the tongue is dangerous. Verse 1, not many of you should become teachers. Why does he say that? 
because it's dangerous. It's difficult. Uh, I think all of us see that it's dangerous for a teacher to, because whenever I say something, it's reaching a lot of ears. Whenever Tim says something, David says something, in our children's Bible classes, lots of ears are being impacted by what a teacher says. And so the damage is exponentially more, uh, the potential for damage is exponentially more if we are a teacher in front of people. But also, it could be a good thing. You know, lives can be helped, hearts can be changed, encouragement shared from a teacher. But the danger is real. What if I said something misleading up here? Something wrong from the text? I mean, many of you would catch it. You would say, oh, Nathan made a mistake. He's made a wrong conclusion from what the Bible says. But maybe some of you wouldn't. Maybe some of you wouldn't realize that something I had said was going to take you away from Christ instead of closer to Him. I mean, it can cause doubt. That could cause sin. So when any of us are up here or in front of people in the classrooms or helping to teach in any capacity, we need to be very careful. We need to be very intentional with what we teach, understanding the text as best we can, researching the scriptures to make sure what we say is true before we say it so that the Bible can have its impact the way that it's intended to. But there's more than just saying the truth at stake. I could say the truth in a really ineffective way up here. I could just talk about myself for 45 minutes and sprinkle in some Bible here and there. I could, you know, be really entertaining and not get much teaching across at all. And that doesn't help you either. It's harmful in a different way, but it is still harmful. It is something that people could think that the Bible's not all that important. You know, I don't really need these things. We need to strive for clarity in our teaching. And that takes a lot of work. It takes effort. It takes purpose and time for us to get there. Because useless teaching can be harmful just like false teaching. People won't see how important the scriptures are if the teaching is failing to get people to see the word. Because eventually they'll just find something else to be their standard. If the word is not there in front of them. Our public use of our speech matters. We can't take it lightly. Every word that is said needs to be said for a purpose. Every application that is made needs to be consistent with the word of God. Every illustration that is made needs to be helpful and not distracting. Every conclusion that is made needs to be true from the scriptures. Are you seeing verse 1? Let not many of you become teachers. It's a difficult thing to do. What a sobering thought. Because our tongues can do great damage if we use them in an irresponsible way. So what do we do? My first reaction to hearing how dangerous the tongue is, man, I shouldn't be talking at all. You know, it might be one of the quieter exits from the building today. You know, no one says a word, just, you know, as we leave, it's, it's just the awkward wave as we walk away. But James doesn't just talk about the dangers of the tongue. He gives some images for us that talk about the usefulness of the tongue. And one of the useful things that we see in the tongue, the two images, are horses and ships. As I mentioned, James uses many images to show us the, image, the point that he is trying to give us. It's consistent throughout his letter, tossed like the waves of the wind in chapter 1 and verse 4. You know, we have these kinds of pictures 
James is teaching us in a very effective way. He's a master at it. The idea here is an idea of control, to be able to guide or navigate. And it's something small that's able to guide and navigate something big. Uh, The bit in the horse's mouth is something that James talks about here. And James uses several farming images throughout his letter. It's really interesting. Maybe that's something he had a lot of familiarity with. I'm not sure. But it's something he uses quite a bit. But it may not be something we know a lot about. You know, I've ridden a horse once in my life. But it's a simple enough image I think we can easily explain it. You know, the horse has reins that you hold on to when you're riding it. And there's something inside the horse's mouth. Typically today it's a little piece of metal. And when you pull the horse's reins, it pulls against its mouth, pulls its head, and it starts going in that direction. Then the other direction, you know, pull the other direction. And you're able to guide the whole horse just by this little piece of metal in the horse's mouth. And so with it, the rider of the horse is able to decide which way he wants the horse to go. You know, it's so small we don't even see the little bit in its mouth. But it has a great impact on the direction the horse goes. And ships, the part of the ship that we don't see, you know, it's beneath the water. You turn the till, I think is what it's called. I've been on boats very rarely in my life as well. But you turn the till and underneath is the rudder. And the rudder turns and directs the ship because it hits the water just the right way and turns the ship so that it'll go in a different direction. Something small, something we don't see, makes a big difference in the guide and the direction of something bigger. So what do we make of that? The tongue is a small part of our body, but it can be impactful with how we use it. Without a bit or a rudder, the ship flows wherever the current takes it. Uh, The horse goes wherever it wants instead of the rider directing its path. We have our words shaped our direction. Have they shaped our relationships? I mean, we've seen it with the danger A wrong word can cause feuds for generations. You know, the wrong thing was said, and now these families don't talk, and it's four generations later. They still don't know why they don't talk at this point, but it's continuing on and on because of one wrong word spoken. Wars have been started because of wrongful use of the tongue, because the bit was pointed in the wrong direction. But a useful word at the right time can change a life. Do you remember a time someone said something to you that helped you and sent you on the right path? I have a hard time thinking of just one example. It seems like almost every day someone is saying something to me that's helpful, that challenges me, that causes me to pray instead of think inward. It causes me to be God-focused instead of self-focused. It causes me to be selfless instead of selfish. You get it. But there are so many things that have been said to me that have changed the way that I live. You know, I'll never forget that when I was in college, a girl I grew up with, she's a few years younger than me, came up to me and just said, there was one time you said something at a Bible study that got me thinking, and it changed the way I thought about God. It started me looking at baptism, and I was baptized shortly after. I had no idea what I said. I don't get or don't want the credit for what I said. All glory goes to God, obviously. But it was a moment for me that I realized my words can have impact if they're directed towards the right things. Perhaps there's no greater example for this than Jonah. Jonah was a man who used his mouth for good and for bad. And we know where Jonah ended up. 
In chapter 1, he decides he's going to run away from God and go far away when he has been called to preach to the Ninevites because they are unworthy of the grace of God. They, are, they should not get his preaching, so he goes the opposite direction. But in the beginning of chapter 1, he doesn't say anything. It's quiet until the end when they're about to throw him off the ship into the water. That's when he starts to speak up. But in chapter 4, he kind of backtracks a little bit and talks about what he said to God. Isn't that what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Can you imagine saying such a thing to God? I didn't want your grace to reach them. I knew you would forgive them, so I ran away. His heart was being revealed by what he said, and there was a forest fire happening. And that forest fire looked an awful lot like the inside of a fish's belly. He had found disaster in his life because of the way his mouth had revealed his heart. But what's the other side of the coin with Jonah? After he's saved by God, brought out from the fish, sent to Nineveh, he shares the message of God. He is the mouthpiece for God's grace and compassion. And the result is repentance. His mouth helped people find the word of God and helped people repent and change, at least for the time being, until Nahum comes back. But we have a picture of a man who shows both sides of what the tongue is capable of. It's capable of great destruction, but it's capable of bringing the news of God's salvation to people who you wouldn't even think could be saved. Great restoration. It's a powerful image. Jonah shows us that we can use our speech for good. We can help others. I mean, maybe you've had a forest fire in your life. You've caused it. It's not too late to turn around and go back to Nineveh, start preaching, start sharing what God has done. That's our aim, to help others. So here, James shows us the challenge. Verses 7 and 8, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. So now when you think, okay, I just won't say bad things, I will say good things, James throws us this and says, sorry, this is going to be a struggle for you. No one's going to be able to handle this perfectly. So what's our aim at least? What are we striving for while we continue to serve our God? And that is the final three verses. Are we pure in speech? Our temptation is to use our tongue in a split way. To bless God and curse people. And James so clearly says that not ought be so. We can do better than that. So there's a better way. So James teaches us again uh, using illustration. Uh, can a body of water produce salt water and fresh water at the same time? No. They're going to be one or the other. How about a tree? Can a tree produce two different kinds of fruit? Have you ever found an apple tree that had figs on it, right? No. Those things are separate. They're different. So what's his point? Can a tongue be blessing and cursing? These things ought not to be so, is his answer. We should be wholly devoted 
to the idea of praising God. Pure is the idea. We should be 100% using our tongue for good, for God, to glorify Him, to share His word, and never using it to start that forest fire. That's what James tells us his point is for us. That's our aim. It's a difficult one. It's a high calling. What do you think God thinks about a divided heart? And he's told us, you know, you're going to choose one master or the other and hate the other, right? You're not going to be completely devoted to two. You have to pick one. It's certainly a hard thing for us to do. We're missing the point here, I think, if we hear cursing others and think of just expletives. I think foul language is involved in this, but I think it means more about insulting, tearing down others, and more broadly filling in all of that. So you can't on Sunday come in and bless God with your tongue and then on Monday go out and curse God's creation. Go out and say that this person is not worth the best that I can give in my mouth. Instead, we are supposed to praise God to give Him the glory. Have you ever met someone who can't help but talk about God all the time? People who just love the Lord and everything that comes out of their mouth is just an excitement to serve God? Those people are a breath of fresh air. People who are just talking about His grace and His Word, and they're so excited to share that with you, regardless of what the uh, scenario you're in with them is. We can be rewired to use our speech as God's people to show that we are filled with Him, that every corner of our heart is excited to be His people. We have left nothing left for ourselves that will turn our world into a fire. This is a high goal for us today. We are devoting our entire use of our speech and in doing so the entirety of our heart to God. That's our goal of controlling the tongue. It's not just so we can be better in our relationships. It's not just so we can be better in our jobs. It's not just so we can better control the damage that we do with our words. But it is so that we will be wholly devoted to the Lord. So next time you find yourself saying something you didn't mean to, next time you find yourself being unkind with your words, we need to realize that that's a time of impurity in our lives. That is a time where we're not devoted to the Lord the way we should be. We are not as close to God as we think we are when we're using our mouths for anything other than praise. So I pray we can control our speech. We look for other ways to point people to God rather than to use our speech for ourselves. We have a mountain to climb here. But God is with us and He will give us strength and we will continue to try to control the tongue. I pray we can do that together. We're going to have a song that will help us to do this. We're going to sing all people that on earth do dwell. Let's stand together as we sing.